0: And um, I believe some might need it more than others, particularly uh, at this at this specific time. But um, I'm thankful that you're here. And for those of you that make it a habit of praying for me uh, during, uh, during the message, I would ask that you uh, would please continue to do so and do so today, as uh, this is a very difficult subject to, uh, to preach on. And, uh, but I pray that, I pray that we can find um, some some hope and encouragement through it as well. And uh, what we're going to look at this morning is the truth about hell, the truth about the truth about hell. You know, let's just pray real quick again. Just bow your head, close your eyes, and just so I can pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for God's your word, and uh, Lord, I'm I'm thankful that we know that it is not a man written book. God, because if it was. I would never, ever include even the idea of hell. God, I would have included all the beautiful wonders and stories of heaven like we've been looking at the last couple weeks. But Lord, certainly I would have excluded this part. But God, I'm thankful, Lord, that uh, that, 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 we don't, that what we read is not man's book. However, it is your book. Thus, it is our authority in our life. And, Lord, I pray that that's where we would realize that's where a lot of the struggle is. And, uh, Father, I pray that you'd help me uh, this morning to um, be bold and to um, preach exactly what you've had me to prepare this week for your honor and, God, for your ultimate glory. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I appreciate you allowing me to do that. More than 150,000 people die every day. 150,000 people. You put that into perspective, that's somewhere around, depending on how long the month is, 4.5 million people each month slip off into their final destination. To put that into perspective, that is larger than the city of Los Angeles itself. And so you add to that number throughout human history, and it's a staggering figure. Tragically, many of those people died without knowing the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so what you and I ought to ask ourselves is what fate awaits those men and women that <coughs> excuse me, slip off into their final destination without knowing Jesus Christ? Do they really rest in peace? Or do they find a different reality beyond the grave? Sadly... Those who reject God and His way of salvation, they do not find rest when they die. They enter into eternal hell where there is no peace for the wicked. That is a grim and terrible reality, but it is exactly what the Bible teaches. So the real conflict over the biblical doctrine of hell is essentially an issue of authority. What the Bible affirms about hell forces you and I to believe or disbelieve, to accept, or to reject. It is back to the same question that confronts everyone, do you believe the Bible or do you not? At the end of the day, the answer determines the fate of every single person who has ever lived and who ever will live. The Bible is the only authority that tells the truth about death, about hell, about the last few weeks, the beautiful eternity that can be found in heaven. The Bible has the final word on these subjects with which we have discussed these weeks. The Bible came from God, from the spiritual realm, and it has the answers for where all of us will spend eternity one day. So as I've asked this kind of questions throughout these weeks, I'll ask you this question. So what does the Bible say about hell? What is the the truth about hell? Well, let me say, first of all, hell is real. It's far from a legend, from a myth, a, a metaphor, or even an allegory. The Bible presents hell as a real place where wicked people suffer the wrath of God. All I can tell you is, is that right now, I, I can't explain it, but Satan is fighting right now this message. He's fought me all week long with a niece and a nephew that we love to death, but praise God we get to give him back tomorrow. Amen? Hallelujah. Sarah and I, we've uh, been really praying and contemplating and you know, wanting uh, some more children. Sarah came to me. Uh, I'm not sure exactly. She actually said it twice throughout this week. I've been cured. <laughs> So, but we won't make that decision, of course, based on this week. But there's been a lot of fighting, a lot of fighting and just interior, just lack of sleep, just fighting, I believe, this message. And so I want to, I I just want to proclaim it biblically. I want to, I want to proclaim it boldly this morning. I realize that it is not the most popular of topics. We're not going to get all, you know, super excited about this one. I'm not going to say, hey, how many of you want to go there today? I don't think anyone's going to raise their hand. After they win. There we go. But hell is real. Consider these vivid portraits of hell from a couple different New Testament uh, writers. as The Holy Spirit penned these these letters through, through men there. Matthew 25, verse 24. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye accursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Can I just start off with this? Hell was not created for us. It was created for the devil and his angels, those third that fell from heaven. You can read all about it in the book of Isaiah where Satan came up and said, I will this, I will that, I will ascend to the Most High. Pride caused uh, Satan, Lucifer, and a third of the angels to fall from heaven. And then you have the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter number 3 where... Adam and Eve also took of the fruit, and they as well sinned, and they also became fallen. And now we have an eternal state of not only heaven, but also hell. However, it was not created for us. Matthew also says in verse 46, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. We spent a couple weeks on the life portion of that. Mark, his his side, it says, and if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. If you were to keep going on there, Mark says, hey, cut your foot off. You're better off to cut your own foot off than go to a place of fire, a place where it's death he also goes on to say, hey, cut your own, rip your own eye out. I mean, just graphic material here that the Mark says, hey, you're better off to do that than to enter into this fire that never shall be quenched. John wrote in Revelation verse 20, or chapter 20, verse 15, and whosoever was not found, written in the book of life, was cast to the lake of fire. So Scripture presents a terrifying, clear case for a literal hell it's a place where god punishes unbelievers for all of eternity and it's not a it, it, it's a it's a terrifying idea and honestly i'd said in my prayer if i had wrote in the bible i would never have included anything like that I, everything would have been just rosy and would have been grand yet it's a place of eternal fire and scientifically they have discovered that the hottest flame is a black flame so hell can be Fire, as well as utter darkness, that we'll see in a moment here. Contrary to what some called evangel- evangelicals are teaching, hell is not a state of mind. Hell is not a life on earth. <laughs> it can be brutal down here, can it? But listen to me your state of mind can change. Your circumstances can change, they can improve. Hell never changes, hell never improves. Hell is not chastisement, it's everlasting, insufferable punishment. You ready for this? The hands of an angry God. According to the revelation that Jesus gave to the Apostle John, the fate of every unbeliever is under the wrath of God. We see in verse number 11 of Revelation 14, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone. So hell is real. Let me say, secondly, Jesus taught about hell. Jesus taught about hell. Though every New Testament author acknowledges the doctrine of hell, Jesus had the most to say about it. The existence of hell was not something that he ever questioned. It was not something that he ever debated. Listen, Jesus never even defended it. All Jesus ever did was warn not to go there. He didn't ever apologize for it. He assumed the reality of hell just as much as his someday resurrection when he was teaching and preaching. John chapter 5, verse number 28, marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all, Jesus is speaking here, that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Jesus viewed hell as a real place. And so you and I, we should as well. In fact, he is the model of how you should think of hell. When Jesus talked about hell, his purpose was always to warn, not to raise question, not to plant Doubts. Consider the graphic words he will use in a few texts here to portray hell. They're clearly not to provide comfort. They're they're, they're clearly meant to frighten. According to Jesus, hell is a place of utter darkness. In Matthew 22, verse 13, then said the king of the servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into utter darkness. There shall be weeping, and gnashing of teeth. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. We see in Matthew 8, 12, but the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hell is a a hot place. It's a fiery furnace. It's unquenchable. Jesus said in Matthew 13, and Shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Verse 50. And shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Mark 9 48. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. For every one shall be salted with fire, and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. Hell is a place of spiritual and Bodily destruction, Matthew ten twenty-eight. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Endless torment. We read in Luke 16, verse 23, and in hell he lists the rich man, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. And seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. Many people believe that Luke 16 is a parable of Jesus just describing a story with a heavenly meaning. What you'll find when you study all of Jesus' parables, he never uses names. Every one of them are nameless. This is a real account. Lazarus, saying, the rich man saying, can Lazarus just come and just put a little drop of water on my tongue? Hell is most certainly a place. It's a horrific place where agonizing conditions exist. Let me ask you another question here. Is there a way out? Is there a way out? Have you ever been stuck somewhere in a situation beyond your control? Maybe on an airplane or an elevator or a jail cell? In times like those, we usually have a reasonable hope. At some point, I am going to be rescued from this situation, right? Sometime that elevator is going to start working. Those of you that are claustrophobic or like an airplane, eventually you're going to get off that tarmac Do you guys remember in 2010 the, the mine that collapsed in Chile? Remember that? I mean, it's not too long ago. It's about, about just, just under eight years ago. Thirty-three miners were trapped, some tra- trapped thousands of feet below ground. It took them 69 days, but all of them were rescued, every single one of them. And they, were, they, they came out of that underground tomb. We like stories like that, Right? We like the we like the underdog. We like of the unthinkable odds. We like to think that the eagles can do it, right? That's at least why I hey, hate underdog story. I'm trying to lighten the mood a little bit. Hell's a brutal topic. I get it, but we like these kind of stories. We like where in the end they ultimately find. Uh, you know, they, they 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 find another exit. I'll never forget the uh, the, the scene in. Um, Oh, it's a Disney movie. I just drew a blank. It's got Nicolas Cage in it. And uh, National Treasure, where they find the big treasure, and then all of a sudden they find the stairwell, too, at the end of the room. If you haven't seen it, you ought to see it. It's good. And a good movie. But we, we like those kind of stories. Hell isn't one of those stories. Hell doesn't have the, you know, the happily ever after type of thing. Okay? the reason why is because God built the prison of hell. And there's no doors or windows. God is hell's jailer, and there's no key. There's no escape routes. There's no one powerful enough to rescue anyone out of his hand. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew 10, 28, and fear not them that kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. In other words, it's like, don't, don't fear a murderer. He said instead, but rather fear him which is able to destroy the, both the soul and body in hell hell offers no means of escape no rescue no no relief no way out ever the occupants of hell they're they're sealed in their damnation are, are we listening this morning i realize this is this is brutal but it's true revelation twenty two eleven. and he that is unjust let him be unjust still and he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. There's, there's no changing. When we get to eternity, we don't get to, we don't get to switch sides. We don't get to turn over a new leaf. If you, were, if you trusted Jesus Christ in this life and you were deemed righteous and holy, guess what? That'll never change with your final destination. Hallelujah for that. But listen. If we don't stand before God holy and righteous in in Christ, that doesn't change later. We don't don't get to turn over a new leaf. Friends and family can't help. hear me say this, and don't get mad, God won't help either. The time of mercy, it has passed. As one who knows exactly what awaits the wicked, Jesus told this story of the rich man who was tormented in hell. Now I'm going to read the whole thing for you. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. There's a description. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise, Lazarus, evil things. In other words, you were so filthy rich. You had such a nice lifestyle. Lazarus, he literally ate from your crumb. But now is he comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Dante. Dante's hell. He, he kind of understood this message. He kind of understood what, what, what it was. In his imaginary inscriptions over hell's entrance, it is stated, Abandon hope, all ye who enter here. And Honestly, it was rightfully pictured because hell is a place where there's no hope and the door of hope and the door of mercy gets slammed shut. Now, William Blake... In 1826, he kind of gave us a water painting of Dante's entrance of hell. It's very difficult to see, but Nick, if you, can, if you can take us to that picture there, kind of the idea here. And it's really very difficult to see what is what his rendition of a watercolor painting of the rendition of the door. But if you can go to the next slide, it says, abandon all hope, ye who enter here. Dante kind of had it right. But some, they reject that view, believing against Scripture's testimony that God gives people a second chance. Some still say there is a kind of a a post mortem um, opportunity to believe the gospel, to repent, to be saved. that, That may sound appealing, especially to us sinners, but it does not come from the Bible. Does it? Others hold to the form of universalism that holds out the false hope that hell isn't the final destination for sinners. There's literally religious teachings out there that say, you know what? After a period of time, then you get to go free. If I could ask, let me just ask you a question: If you and I could ultimately get out of hell, purgatory, whatever you want to call it, over a period of time. Why would God have crushed his own son on the cross? If we could have just done it on our own, there would have never needed to be Jesus. But see, in their view, God's redeeming work doesn't stop at death. They believe that uh, universalism, that God will eventually reconcile every creature to himself. Yes, even those that are in hell. The British evangelist, John Blanchard, puts it this way. All the ways to hell... Are one-way streets. Don't worry, I got some good news coming. Just stick with me, okay? The idea that those who will go there will eventually be released and join the rest of humanity in heaven has not a shred of biblical evidence to support it. Remember what I talked about at the beginning? All depends on where our authority lies. Children are sometimes told fictional adventure stories with a delight delightful ending, and they all lived happily ever after. We call that kind of story a fairy tale and universalism. Is exactly that. When the judgment of God comes, sinners hate God even more than they did before. Revelation 16, verse 10. And the fifth angel poured out. This is when God's pouring his wrath out here on, uh, 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 on earth. His vial upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues for pain and blasphemed the God of heaven, because of their pains and their sores, and repented not of their deeds. You would think, man, when you're seeing, you know, uh, trumpet number one and vial number one, getting really into like eschatology things at the end times. We've gone verse by verse through Revelation here. You would think that when they start seeing some of these things, you know, it raining blood and all kinds of stuff. Okay, God, I'm going to repent now. This was true. No, they don't. They get madder. They get get more angry with God. The sinner cannot change his heart. He cannot bring himself to even love God. Nobody, hear me, nobody will be repenting in hell. J.I. Packer says there is nothing arbitrary about the doctrine of eternal punishment. It is in essence a case of God respecting our choice. And continuing throughout eternity the spiritual condition which we chose to be when, while on earth. In the face of such clear, undeniable evidence about hell from the pages of Scripture, it seems absurd that professed evangelicals would challenge the existence, nature, and very eternality of hell but we shouldn't be surprised satan continues his efforts today and he wants to make sin less offensive hell less appealing heaven less crazy and scary and horrific and the gospel less urgent satan says hey just wait till tomorrow hey you've got you got you got all kinds of time just just wait till tomorrow that's what satan tells us do not be ignorant of Satan's devices. The word of God leaves no doubt about the existence of the nature of hell. You say, say, Ryan, I didn't like hearing this. I'll be honest with you. I didn't really like delivering it. I like preaching the word. I mean, come on. Hence, Ryan spent three weeks on heaven, one week on hell. I like it. With the clarity and the authority of God and his word, he's told us everything we need to know about hell. And you know what else? He's also told us how we can avoid it. Do we have to go there? Do we? I mean, it's, it's horrific. But do we have to go there? Yeah, that, I don't want to go to the place that's utter darkness plus flame and wailing and gnashing of teeth and all. I, 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 don't, I, I don't want to go there. Let me make this statement. Jesus Christ endured everything hell is. He didn't go to hell, but he endured everything that hell is, everything that hell stands for, so that you would never have to know what it is like. What is hell? It is punishment. It's destruction. And it's exclusion. You are completely excluded from God. What happened on the cross When Jesus Christ died for us, the punishment that brought us peace was upon Jesus. He entered into the destruction of death. He was parted from his soul and the parting of his soul and from his body. And in utter darkness, he was shut out, he was excluded from the very knowledge of his Father. The Bible says in Matthew 27, verse 46, and about the ninth hour, this is Jesus on the cross, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, Lamas the bakhtani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus Christ was punished so you would never have to. Jesus Christ was forsaken so you would never have to be forsaken. Jesus Christ understands destruction so that you and I can live. That's the good hope of, that's the good news of hell. Hell was never created for you. Hell wasn't a requirement for you. But sin changed that. Jesus endured all that hell represents on the cross so you'd never have to know what it's like. He took the punishment so that you and I could stand in Christ. You and I can stand in his righteousness. You and I can stand before God and we can hear beautiful words like this, Romans 8:1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Hell is horrific. Don't let anybody candy coat it because the authority is the Bible. And I hope that you can understand that's what we're preaching this morning, the authority Of Scripture. I don't like it. I didn't really want to do it. But it's the whole council, it's the Bible. Jesus endured the destruction of death so that you and I could be raised in newness of life. He was cut off from the Father so that in Him you could be reconciled to the Father. Can I say this? Thanks be to God for the unspeakable gift. That's what Paul said. We like that verse during Christmas time. But thanks be to God for the unspeakable gift. What's that gift? Christ. Christ. You receive him. You acknowledge that we, we sin. We acknowledge that we deserve to go to hell. But Christ, you died for me. You took my punishment. You took my destruction. You took the very wrath of God. that, and guess what? Then you now stand in no condemnation. Jesus took it all. It was all poured out on Him for you. Is that your testimony? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? This series was really a series about where are you going to spend eternity? When you take that final breath, when you go to the final destination, you could be sitting there, and you could be saying, Ryan, this is so old-fashioned, this is not what is real life, then what are you going to base your eternity on? What you think? I'll be honest with you, man, I think up some dumb things. I make some really bad decisions sometimes. Well, you know what? I wouldn't mess with this one. Believer, I'd like to ask you a question. And the question comes from Jack Hiles. He's famous for this quote. What would you do differently if you actually believed there is a hell? What would you do differently? I'm not trying to guilt you in any way, but can I encourage you to show somebody the love of Jesus Christ this month? Can I encourage you? to take a packet back there and say, you know what, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have a lot of money, but there are some things that maybe I can do to show the love of Jesus Christ to somebody this month. Really, any, every day. But if we really believed that what I just preached was real and that those that do not know Jesus Christ, that is their final destination, let's tell them about Christ. Let's tell them about the first three weeks. Heaven. Awesome. Can't wait. I don't want to touch this with a ten-foot pole. Well, they some of them don't even know that's where they're headed. So you and I, let's take the love of Christ to a lost and dying world. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I thank you for your word and Lord, I thank you for helping me through it. And God, I stand before our people as Lord not someone that likes the idea of hell I, I don't but Father I, I get fired up about Jesus standing in my place so I don't have to go there and Lord if we're believers here this morning may we get excited about what Jesus did for us as we were on our way at one point to hell and our life was completely turned around and our final destination is heaven. And Father, I pray that we would take the love of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. And then God, I pray that if there's a man or woman here that doesn't know what their eternity would be, I pray, God, I pray that Lord, your Holy Spirit right now would impress upon their heart that today was truth oh, it's not, it's not glamorous truth. Oh, it's not, it's not truth that we're going to want to think a lot about. But God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would impress upon hearts and say that was truth, truth. And then, God, I pray that you would do a mighty work in lives. If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, here's what I'm going to do. In a moment, I'm going to step to the back. And Mike's going to have us keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I want you to take that step back there. I want to show you from the Word of God how you can have your final destination from hell to heaven. And it's all found in the person and the work of Jesus Christ.